This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Monday, April 6th of 2020, it's episode 175. In this episode, Neutral Evil, part 6 of our ongoing alignment series, plus our growth as gamers, the return of an absent player, The Witcher, Pettiness and Banality, Eustace Clarence Scrub, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. How's everybody doing tonight? Pretty good. Had a had a really solid session of my game yesterday, yeah. so kind of anxious to talk about that. But how are you two doing? Jenny? I'm here. Getting by? Yeah. Good. It's good to hear. Uh, me? I am fine. Uh, work <laughs> has continued apace, uh, picked up actually for us, which, you know, that's good stuff. But boy, it's been, uh, it's been interesting trying to, uh, basically homeschool. Oh yeah. I can, yeah. I can imagine. I have one benefit of that. Oh, my daughter can't get away from me watching what she reads. And sometimes she tends to kind of read easier stuff at school just to kind of get it done and be slapdash about it. Uh, so I was like, nope, you're reading this. And she picked it up and she's like, oh, wait, no, actually, this is good. So she's like a quarter of the way through The Hobbit now. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's pretty advanced for a seven-year-old. Congratulations no, that's, there. that's when I read it. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's not. Fair the enough. Hobbit is not too advanced for a seven-year-old. It really isn't. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah that's like, true. I, I keep forgetting the difference in the reading level it, between those it's two. It's a yeah. really big difference. The Hobbit, it's like, vast. You know, like, it was written for children. It was. Big, big difference. And and she is really enjoying it. Uh, to the point where I actually use it as a bribe now. Which is well, it's a good book, so. <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah. if you do, if you clean your room, you get to do, an, you get to do another chapter of The Hobbit. <gasps> okay. You know, so it's, it's pretty great. Uh, so we've Let been me doing bribe that. you with reading. Well, the, the, the thing is, it's been a very inklings quarantines for us because she started The Hobbit and then for family bedtime, uh, rather than, you know, one of us reading to the four-year-old and one of us, you know, kind of keeping an eye on the seven-year-old as she reads. We're now all getting on our bed and reading together, and we're reading through the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, nice. Mm. So we uh, finished Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, finished Prince Caspian, and have just we're, we just hit chapter four in uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. So we're really enjoying that. It's been fun. That's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, the other big thing that's shaken up our household has been Animal Crossing New Horizons, so <laughs> <laughs> which uh, is a little bit of a gotcha game in some ways, like in the mobile sense, because there's like daily check-in rewards and stuff like that. Oh, boy. But mm -hmm. it is adorable and relentlessly positive and quite- It's of a type with Stardew Valley, right? Um, in, in the very positive sense, yes. It is- Far slacker than Stardew Valley. Like, oh, fair. Stardew Valley, you're still. There's no combat at all. Yeah, there's no combat. To the best of my knowledge. And you're also not trying to, like, you know, race the clock with crops and, and you know, trying to maximize your income if that's how you play. There's no way to do that. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'll pop out of my house, check my mail, get <laughs> presents from my mail, 
Uh, and then just go around and maybe chop some wood and catch a bug. Oh, that's a new bug I haven't seen. Caught it. Let me take it over to the museum and blathers. And oh, on my way, I dug up a fossil. Hey, what kind of fossil is this? Oh, sweet. It's a Quetzalcoatl right wing. You know, like, it's just adorable. And along the way, it's like, oh, you know, here's friends and here's uh, clothing and you can make your own clothing and show it off. And this is mm -hmm. all single player. Multiplayer, of course, you can do stuff together as well. The multiplayer is not great because it's very much designed to be one person in charge and then helpers. Ah, uh, okay. To the point where, because my wife created the island under her account, the island is shared among all the players on the Switch. There's no separate save data per player. Yeah, oh, that's, that's the only reason weird. I didn't get it. That's the only reason I didn't get it for the library. It's, it's yeah. real... Yeah, I can see how that can spawn some animosity. You, cannot, <laughs> you could not do it in a shared environment like the library. Yeah, like, I, I already have... Like, we have uh, Animal Crossing uh, 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 on the DS New Leaf, I think? That New sounds Leaf. right, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I used to regularly get children screaming oh, yeah. because someone changed something in the town. I'm just like, public game. Yep. I, sorry, yeah. not sorry. Yeah. It's a public game and you got to get used to that. And I don't want to do that. No, again. no, you shouldn't. Like, it I was not the person who public, who, who published. I, I certainly wasn't the person who published New Leaf. I was not the person who purchased New Leaf, yeah. by the way. I want to make that clear. And, and it seems you just I had to deal with the fallout of it. Uh. On the surface, it seems like such a good choice. Like it's aggressively wholesome, but yeah. the save data thing really is is complicated. We are not letting you know the kids what? play. There are so many aggressively wholesome games that would have children tearing each other's throats out at work I just know. because it's it's you have to share and they don't want. Yeah, it. yeah, and yeah. I can only teach that so much. Yeah, so. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we picked that up and um, we really have been enjoying it. It is super cute. My wife and I will send each other stuff. We have like in-jokes and we'll send letters with in-jokes um, in them and just, you know, have – it's just fun. You know, it is just kind of good. It's a little bit chore-like sometimes, but then also it's like, oh, wait, that's super cute. Where are we putting this? And the house is – like the island is rapidly developing and it's it's been good. Oh, it's good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Uh, the other thing that we picked up, I picked up the COVID-19 Humble Bundle that they did, which was like 45 games and a bunch of ebooks for $30. Uh, first off, one of the ebooks was a Starfinder campaign setting. Yeah, I noticed that. That looks kind of so interesting. I'm going to read that at some point. Uh, I have not read Starfinder, so it may make a lot less sense. <laughs> but, you know, hey, I have in my back pocket this game setting for space stuff. Cool. Right? It's not that different from Pathfinder. I mean, there are definitely some differences, but yeah, you will, your old like 3.5 neural pathways will light back up again and you'll be fine. I figure. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I've been playing stuff. I've played a little bit of hollow Knight, which is great. Uh, and then Good. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble because part of the bundle included Europa, Europa Universalis four. Oh no! <laughs> one of, okay, one of my coworkers at work has like fourteen hundred hours in that game. I believe it. Yeah, it looks it's incredibly intimidating, and I'm not sure where to get in on it. I'm trying to follow like a couple of tutorials that pe other people have done, but the problem is starts are somewhat randomized. So this guy's like this this country's super easy, right? Just we'll just kind of go through this, and you know, you guys adjust on the fly. And I'm like, my dude, you're 
you're allied with France. France has a really big military. They're coming for me. <laughs> what, what am I doing? <laughs> you need to speed up this, this tutorial to get to the part where I don't die to France. You know, like. So, Good luck. <laughs> you know, it's. Because uh, the, the Napoleonic era is in the timeline for that. So well, yeah, this, this is earliest start as Castile, but. Okay, but still, yeah, I mean, yeah. and France was a terrifying military power for a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, so, you know, I've, that, um, Jenny, have you heard of a game called Pikuniku? No. I think you would love it. Is it about picnics? Not even slightly. Okay. Uh, it's put out by De- Devolver Give Digital. Me, spell it for me. Spell it <sighs> let, for me. Uh, let me double, I, I may even be pronouncing it. Incorrect. Yeah. P-I-K-U-N-I-K-U. It's a, you know, the, the like exploration platformer style of game. Yeah. It's that where it's, it's not exactly Metroidvania ish. It's more like you get the mm. thing to, you know, interact with this one thing. And then that lets you get a little further, but it's not like there's massive areas blocked off. It's like, oh, go find the mm. three things scattered around. They unlock this one thing. Okay. Hmm. And it's got the weirdest writing, and I love it. <laughs> it's also, like, secretly got this, like, social critique stuff built in. Okay. But it's also, you're just, like, a little round blob with legs that kicks things. <laughs> I see. Oh, I think I heard about this on Gamers with Jobs at some point. It's, uh, but the writing is amazing because it is... It's like modern Tumblr writing a game. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Just like we just this very casual like, eh, okay. why did you do that? Casual nihilism. A little bit like not not nihilistic. It's just it's funny. It's okay. But in that that incredibly understated and weird sort of way or really over the it's just like you wake up and. There's a ghost. And the ghost mm-hmm. is, you know, it's like, you know, well, you're ready to go. Take this. My moral support. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm a ghost. I don't have much to give you. <laughs> huh. Okay. It's cute. I can't hold things. I'm insubstantial. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny and weird. At one point, you have to beat a robot in a dance battle. So, you know. Hmm. Okay. Definitely, definitely recommended. Is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Uh, but enjoying that quite a lot. All right. I've I've monopolized our what we've been doing section. What's everyone else been doing? Well, like I said, I had a pretty good session of uh, the game that I've been running on Sunday uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had a player that had had to leave for scheduling stuff, and he'd been gone for... Well, <laughs> three levels of game advancement. Let's just put it that way. It had, it had been quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he his schedule finally freed up and he was able to come back. So I was like, great, you know, let's do a big like um, set piece battle kind of a thing so he can come back because he was playing kind of a high damage combat character. He was originally playing a, uh, a Hexblade Warlock and then he switched to a homebrew patron that was based on the organization that he was part of that I had written up in the intervening time. So 
which was kind of cool for me. It was like, oh, yeah, I kind of did this thing on your um, character's patron and the organization around him. He's like, can I switch to that subclass? It's like, wow, yes, yes, you may. So I they wound up besieging this island and they had both of the ships that their party uh, they they wound up having to pull out all of the stops. They had both of the ships that their party had access to, the small, like, scouting ship that they'd started the campaign with and the big galleon that they had captured a little while ago um, off the shore lobbing cannonballs at their enemies. They, like, brought a unit of riflemen on board with them or on the island with them, actually, from the other side. Those kind of came ashore as, like, a distraction, and then they snuck in the back and... They like summoned this big angelic creature to help them out and stuff. And it was I I got it like balanced perfectly. They won, but I got all the characters to like half HP and knocked two out. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that went really well. It was exciting. They had a bunch of cool moments. Um, it was it was cool getting like an absent player back. And in fact, actually, the the one thing that went kind of not how I planned it in that session is the thing that brought the party back to the island that I'd had him just sitting on as kind of an explanation for why he'd been away was concerning enough to them where they almost stayed there and tried to make that the adventure. So I had to kind of signpost like, no, 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 you can't do anything with this now. Go to this other thing. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a... um. A stable dream gate on an island full of manic, like, high intelligence, low wisdom, perpetually caffeinated goblins is definitely concerning. So, yeah. Probably. I could see that being a little... Yeah, okay. I'll buy that. (laughs) Yeah. So, I probably should have come up with something less extreme to get them back to the island, but... uh, that was still fun to see how they reacted to. Sure, absolutely. So, and I've got a, I've got something for the dangling plot thread document. Indeed, so. did you do? Yeah. So that was good, and our Saturday game is going pretty well. Yeah, so. yeah. We picked that back up. Um, I don't know. It's weird for me to talk about because I'm the GM. How's how's the game going? I it's going quite well, but I mean, you can comment on it. You're just as much a participant yeah, as we are. I suppose. I feel like it's going well. Uh, naturally, I, like I tried to prep some ahead of time. Like I've got a couple of different things, you know, ready to go for you guys. You all managed to pick the the next thing on the list that was the one thing I hadn't prepped for. <laughs> <laughs> so I was mid-session like, all right, I got to download this map. I got to get this map built in Roll20. I got to, oh, where are you going? No, there's, I haven't put tokens over there yet. Give me a, why are you going that way? <laughs> I still have not been able to get the rest of the party to follow the main plot. Eh, we I'm are. getting this close to giving up. We are. <laughs> I promise You're you. You're not. You're taking yes, every we are. We detour are the along the way. No, we are on the way. Yeah, yeah, you, you're on the way. Uh, and we'll see what happens next time and the time after that. Also, <laughs> I'll, I'll bet you we Peter, still haven't gotten to that spot where the caravan vanished in four sessions. I'm calling it now. Well, it's a long trip. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cheating. Like, because I'm sorry, Peter, that we started on the opposite side of the map. <laughs> yeah. Also, this is a fairly large air- thing that you came came into contact. Oh, I, with. I know it's it, there's a whole hex map and everything. It's a big region. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely enormous. But also like where you are in the module, this particular location, there is quite a lot going on. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely You're, a bunch of stuff around. Yeah, you'll be here for at least another session. And frankly, if you don't have a couple of random encounters, I will be disappointed. <laughs> Plus, you'll, <laughs> well, be, you'll be going through at least one other town on the way. That's something you're going to at least interact with. Yeah, but that can be part of the actual, like, investigation, because that's where the missing caravan departed no, from. No, I mean before that. Oh, yeah, because okay. there's a town on the other side of the bridge, right? Yes, right after the bridge. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. The, both the northern bridge and the southern bridge have towns on both shores, so... Yeah. Or at least things on both shores. Yeah, some, there's something there. Yeah. Anyway, with... um. Yeah, I, it was kind of funny. It was like, this has never happened. What am I doing? Because I'd kind of gotten so used to the prep being easy that it was a sudden shock to be like, wait, I have to not just come up with things on the fly, but put this stuff together that's, you know, in the module, but I haven't digitized and laid out for my players. I haven't, I got to set that up on the fly. That was, uh, thank you for bearing with me. Let me just say that. <coughs> oh, no worries. You did yeah, fine. That's why, so. I, th that's why I don't do modules anymore. Yeah. Like as much as I enjoyed doing Overlight for you guys, I hate running modules a lot. Um, there's exactly one module that I have seen that really makes me want to run it. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before in the Tales of the Old Margrave adventure book from Kobold Press. There is an adventure that is based around the legend of Little Red Riding Hood that mm. kind of puts like the players in the role of like civilization versus the untamed, you know, nature red and tooth and claw wilds in mm. like this um, every so many, you know, years contest to kind of determine which one of those is dominant. And it's it actually like inserts you into the story. And it's mm. really neat. Um, that is the one time I have seen a published adventure and been like, I need to run this someday. <laughs> so other than that, yeah. I mean, Grant and I did a whole episode on just kind of farming them for ideas and stuff when you were away. And they're good for that. And I know some people really like to run them and can uh, improvise more on the fly with... Um, yeah, some kind of groundwork or structure. It's just not the way that my brain thinks. Sure. So. All right. Uh, Jenny, anything you want to add? No, let's get to the topic. Let's do, because it's going to be a topic that I don't know that's going to be super long, but we'll have a little bit to say. And before yeah. that, just to be clear, we're talking about oh, yeah. neutral sure. evil tonight. Um, yep, we are in part six of our alignment series. Indeed. We're going to take a little break after this, do a couple of other episodes, and then get back to it, just like we did before. Yep. Uh, but before we get to that, we have a Patreon question. Roll that Patreon table. Well, you know, as soon as I find my die, hey, here it is, set out over here on the opposite color where I was bound to see it and thus completely missed <laughs> it. As one does. Murphy's Law. <clears throat> you rolled high again, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I really did. I'm really sorry to all the people who got their questions <laughs> in early. Randomized. Randomized. I, I know. It's randomized. Uh, Switch dice at least, man. Do you want me to re-roll? <laughs> Go for it, yeah. All right, fine. All right, that's at least the middle of the table. Okay. All right. Um, this is from Paige Lowe, who's sent in plenty of questions before. How have your yes, thank you, Paige. Yeah, how <laughs> have your games changed as you've matured as a DM or as a player? Hmm. I mean... 
some some obvious stuff. Childish humor has gone away for me. Yeah, you know, um, I was guilty of some of that in my twenties, to be sure. Um, but I think that's kind of obvious for all of us. Really? Okay, <laughs> obvious for me. <laughs> I okay. I run a game for kids, so like. No, it has not gone away. <laughs> Snot jokes um, are still a thing, huh? Farts. Uh, uh, the kids know I don't, I cannot handle snot jokes. I can't. I don't even like saying the word. So like, they know and they back right off mm. of that. Um, so it's mostly farts. Yeah, I think everybody has words like that. My mother-in-law, fairly patient woman, can't stand the word but. Huh. <laughs> Just, you know, same sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that... Hmm. I got a couple. Mm-hmm. the The biggest one is that I have gotten really like much more serious about things like safety techniques. I and that I just think about them more and make more of a point to like have them there as I'm setting up a new game. Uh, and that was not really t- due to any kind of like scorn or disdain, but. I definitely gamed for a few years before I even realized that they existed. I remember I kind of I found out about them for the first time on the old Sons of Cryos podcast, which has long since gone off the proverbial air. And this was back at my old job at Barnes and Noble. And I'm sitting there and they're talking about lines and veils. And I remember getting excited because it's a really like handy way to make sure that you don't throw more at anybody than they want to deal with and that just was great because i'd had a misstep or two not where anybody had gotten really upset but you know we've talked about those kind of mild safety violations where somebody's kind of like eh could you maybe not yeah and it's it's nice to have like a means of not hitting those (laughs) that's been kind of formalized and stuff so that was that was definitely one i think the other one is that i've gotten more I've gotten more intensive in terms of like what kind of tools that I use. And I I think more about like ways of kind of mechanizing my prep. So things like the dangling plot threads document or some of that stuff. I I have more of a process when I'm going about getting ready for a game where previously all I would do was basically like make stuff to to throw at my characters and fights and then just totally wing everything else. Mm So that's good for about one full campaign, by the way. And then you start to repeat yourself. So I'm trying to think of ways that it's changed for me. And I have oh, I, I have never had much influence in the way that the games that I've been in, either as a DM or a player, have been run. Uh, because I've only been DMing just recently. And... As a player, I almost never had a say for the longest time in in the kinds of games that I was in until I met this group. So I don't know. Just having a say at all has been nice. So you that's know, a change. One other one that just kind of came to my mind. I try and have my PC form like actual relationships with the other player characters much more than I used to. Like, back when I first started gaming, I I generally tended to, like, just interact directly with the world. And stuff like buying gloves for Croucher, or getting into, like, lengthy moral discussions with Aster, or, you know, that sort of thing. 
I never did any of that. It was just a, it was very much like almost like a multiplayer video game mindset. We're all here together, but we're all just kind of interacting with the world. Sure, sure. And I've, I've definitely like started wanting to um, do more of like the PCs have like specific dynamics kind of a thing mm-hmm. since because I mean it, it also bears mentioning that the reason for that is in our like Saturday gaming group I've had really good experiences doing that like going back all the way to the Shadowrun game so that was something that I didn't perhaps have as much of before for whatever reason um, a youth or just the types of games that were being played or that sort of thing but I, I've definitely started doing that more deliberately and enjoying it i think the biggest thing for me has been um just being more relaxed about what i let players do at the table and just being like you want to do what yeah sure cool do it what kind of stuff did you used to be bothered by some of it is just because i really played a lot of like D &D 3.5 and Shadowrun. okay and those are just very rule heavy right and more to the point, there's often a rule for everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it was just a little uncomfortable going outside the bounds of the rules and improvising like, you want to do what? Uh, you know, I guess that'd be this kind of role. Yeah, go for it. Or, yeah, you can just do that. I think maybe that's the biggest thing, like letting people just do things without rolling. Yeah. Right. Or yeah, because like, what are you going to roll when a the, play, dice the roll. cleric says, I want to go give the other cleric my confession? Yeah, <laughs> like, stuff like that. Um, but also just sort of shrugging and being like, all right, well, that's not what I expected, but yeah, we can go that way. That's cool. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people mature that way. I'm just, I'm going along that same path, I suppose, as much as anything else. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's a common path of growth, but yeah. doesn't mean it's not a worthwhile one to walk. Yeah. And I will say, I think a lot of um, the types of characters I am willing to play as a player have changed dramatically as well. Like five years ago, I wouldn't have played a female character. I wouldn't have played a yeah. character that people were laughing at like they are with uh, with uh, Trather. You know, like, yeah. and that's just a, a, a self-consciousness kind of thing. Were you going to say Croucher? I say Croucher a lot. It just popped into my head. <laughs> I mean, the, the Croucher NPC in his colony game definitely got laughed at a fair amount by the PCs. Yeah, and so. maybe GMing has kind of taught me to be laughed at because my job is to set up absurd characters a lot of the time. Yeah. Also having kids and making silly voices all the time. You know, you get, it's what you do, right? You want to yeah. have your children dying on the floor as you, you know, screech at them. It's part of the process. Yeah. So not speaking from experience there no not at all <laughs> so there you go um anything else uh, i had something and it's gone so i guess not okay dang it <laughs> jenny hate it when my brain does that no all right not really cool well Paige, thank you for your question we re- really do appreciate it and if anyone else has questions you can get them in at patreon.com slash saving the game or just you know email us hosts at stgcast.org anything like that uh, and if you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash saving the game is a great place to do that because it's for as little as a dollar a month. You get to send in these questions and, you know, have us roll on a table and then glare at the D8 very angrily. <laughs> and also see our show outlines and stuff. Yeah, so. little fun things like that. So we've got some scripture to read about this particular topic, and we've got a f- three pieces that are fairly long. So who wants to take what? 
Leviticus chapter 20 verses 1 to, uh, excuse me Leviticus chapter 20 verses 1 through 5 The Lord said to Moses Say to the Israelites Any Israelite or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Molech is to be put to death The members of the community are to stone him I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people for by sacrificing his children to Molech, he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. If the members of the community close their eyes when that man sacrifices one of his children to Molech, and if they fail to put him to death, I myself will set my face against him and his family and will cut them off from their people together with all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Molech. And we have Job chapter 21 verses 17 to 21. Yet how often is the lamp of the wicked snuffed out? How often does calamity come upon them, the fate God allots in his anger? How often are they like straw before the wind, like chaff swept away by a gale? It is said, God stores up the punishment of the wicked for their children. Let him repay the wicked, so that they themselves will experience it. Let their own eyes see their destruction. Let them drink the cup of the wrath of the Almighty. For what do they care about the families they leave behind when their allotted months come to an end? And we have Luke 8, verses 26 through 31. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirits to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. So, our topic tonight is the neutral evil alignment. Uh, yep. And this will be an interesting one, I feel, uh, because we're breaking with our usual ranting angrily at second edition, for, uh, perhaps, and um, talking about a couple other interesting things. So, let's get started real quick. Uh, as a reminder, our baselines for this conversation, um, I think we are all familiar with the concepts of good and evil, uh, but for lawful and chaotic, remember lawful is not necessarily law-abiding. It means orderly, right, in the context we're talking about it here. And chaotic is not, whoo, I'm so random. It's, you know, very individualistic and willing to, you know... Buck hierarchies and yeah, stuff like very, that. Yeah, you know, disordered, but not, you know, just, I'm going to roll to see what my action is for the day. Kind of like that level of stupid. Yep. Um, a, a good yardstick for good and evil, if there's any kind of argument is go back and look at the seven sins and virtues episodes. Yeah. Those tend to like, sure, if you works. can kind of like, you know, use those as a metric that can work. And then self-perception <clears throat> doesn't matter. Right. Um, if a character is, you know, convinced that they're an awful person, but they're out there constantly behaving in a good manner, they're wrong about themselves. If they think they're the greatest thing ever and they're a nasty, cruel sadist, they're wrong about themselves. So we've, complained a fair bit about, like I said, the second edition AD&D alignment definitions, but this one I feel is better. Probably the best we've seen. But yeah. yeah. I, I think this is probably the most accurate one we've seen in six episodes. Let's let's say, I mean, yeah. let's acknowledge they got this one right. Well, <laughs> I feel like it's still a little limited, but what they are talking about, I think they describe effectively. 
It's yeah. a good jumping off yeah. point, certainly. Yeah. So their definition It's of, accurate, if nothing else. <laughs> right. So the AD and second edition, neutral evil definition. Neutral evil characters are primarily concerned with themselves and their own advancement. They have no particular objection to working with others, or for that matter, going it on their own. Their only interest is in getting ahead. If there is a quick and easy way to gain a profit, whether it be legal, questionable, or obviously illegal, they take advantage of it. Although neutral evil characters do not have the every-man-for-himself attitude of chaotic characters, they have no qualms about betraying their friends and companions for personal gain. They typically base their allegiance on power and money, which makes them quite receptive to bribes. An unscrupulous mercenary, a common thief, and a double-crossing informer who betrays people to the authorities to protect and advance himself are typical examples of neutral evil characters. And then... Yeah, we've got the 5th edition definition like we usually do. So this is a neutral evil is the alignment of those who do whatever they can get away with without compassion or qualms. Many drow, some cloud giants, and yugoloths are neutral evil. Okay, we're back to the racial alignments. I've complained about this in every episode. I'm going to keep doing it for the next three, but it's... Yes. I mean, the fiends are fine. Like, the Yugoloths are literally like the well, that's, supernatural embodiment of neutral yeah, evil. I mean, that's, that that's one what I'll, they're for. That one I'll mm-hmm. let go. But, yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah. This is pretty close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's one archetype that I feel is neutral evil that this doesn't cover. But what it's talking about here, the, the very selfish person who will do whatever for themselves, is certainly... I think pretty well covered. Yeah. Yeah. I have some issues with the way that neutral evil, I the 5th edition definition, I think it could cross over very, very easily into chaotic because they're not talking about methods. Yeah, and I, the selfishness of actually both of these definitions, for me, also bleeds pretty heavily into chaotic evil. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've talked about this earlier in the series, right? Any two adjacent alignments are going to bleed into each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, so. but I think I think this one is special mm-hmm. because because they're talking uh, about that yeah. very selfish and self-focused attitude, yeah. which for me has always I, been chaotic evil. Personally, yeah. uh, like like in, in my experience, that's how I've always seen chaotic evil. Uh, it in it, when I talk about like characters that are described as neutral evil in like published texts and characters I've seen at the table, whether PCs or NPCs. Yeah. I think, I think the, the thing that should maybe be emphasized with the fifth edition neutral evil definition is those who do whatever they can get away with. Yeah. Because to my mind, and and this is, I feel like this episode may well just turn into like a solid segment of talking about the differences between neutral and chaotic evil. But like, it, it might and and you know what okay but yeah. um i think whatever they can get away with implies a method so to my mind neutral evil has method chaotic evil has no method or or has a method that is highly chaotic and may not consider consequences sure or at least um chaotic well, you know what i'm going to cheat a little bit here i'm going to read a sentence or two from the chaotic evil description. <gasps> I know, right? Ghastly! How chaotic of you! Um, <laughs> the strong have the right to take what they want, and the weak are there to be exploited. So, um, they see absolutely nothing wrong with taking whatever they want by whatever means possible. 
Right. Mm. And chaotic evil characters are motivated by the desire for personal gain and pleasure. So it does bleed a bit. Yeah. But I th- yeah. you know when there's a lot of id in either one of these. There is. Yeah. And this is where I think what what I am missing in the neutral evil bit I think really comes to the fore because for me a lot of neutral evil characters especially villains in particular are devotees of something that is evil and they know it's evil and they don't care. Yeah, chaotic, or they even like it. <laughs> right. Chaotic evil characters don't want to serve, you know, some eldritch evil that's bigger than them. They want to steal its power and, you know, best it. It's mm. it's really literally the difference between like an evil cultist, neutral evil, and just like a ravening, bloodthirsty, you know, werewolf or something. Like, you know, well, I cannot be shackled. I cannot be contained. I, yeah, like, that's, that's chaotic. Yeah. yeah, like for me, and this is going to be the weirdest analogy to come out of my mouth in a while, Queen Beryl from Sailor Moon is neutral evil. Yes. Because she's serving, you know, she's doing all of this evil stuff. Very, you know, like whatever she can do to do it, like, you know, whoever she'll use is fine, but she's doing it in service of some bigger, nastier evil who she is devoted to. No spoilers, yeah. please. I'm still working my way through. Uh, I mean, that's fine. Like, we're, I'm not, it's been ages. I mean, it's also a 20 some, <laughs> it's, it's a show older than me. So, like, by a solid right. year. Right. But you so see what I'm, I'm talking not, about, you know, Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. As with most anime references, that one sailed right over my head. So, but, um, moving on. <laughs> um, yes, I know. I'm well, a Philistine. Well, but it's, it's such a common trope in anime and, you know, mm-hmm. JRPGs and everything else. And most fantasy. Like, yeah, you I was see this. Say, it's real common in just like traditional Western fantasy, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. It is. I mean, like, Sauron is one of the archetypal neutral evil entities out there. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, like, Morgroth is it's a tough call on whether on what kind of evil he is because he's got a little bit of like lawful and neutral and chaotic in there but I think I'd say chaotic in the disruptive you know it's all about me I'm going to tear down everything if I can't have it kind of approach and Sauron just you know as a shadow of him I think works and then you know Saruman I would probably say lawful evil just because he's, you know, he's his thing is raising armies and. Well, he's very structured and plotting. And, yeah, you know, you know, he's got he's, schemes that he's laying out, that sort of thing. He's the mastermind. Yeah. You know, he's he's very much about that. He yeah, he's a very textbook example of lawful evil. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there there is a big difference there. Now, to get back to the the published definitions of neutral evil, though. I do think the lack of compassion is a big deal. Yeah. We see that mentioned a couple of times, like no qualms without compassion. Qualms is actually mentioned in both definitions, which is an unusual word to use, but absolutely spot on. And maybe that's a starting point for these characters. Like they just don't care about anything yeah they have no else. better nature to appeal to yeah and <laughs> that's probably a really good starting point for any any villain who or any character who you are trying to create especially for as a a bad guy for pcs who isn't you know a primary villain just somebody you interact with like you know 
your random slaver, your mercenary, whatever. You know, actually, another example that kind of came up as we were talking about this, Terminators are neutral evil. You would think because they're AIs that they were lawful evil at first, but they are absolutely single-minded about just one thing, and they will do literally anything they have to do to accomplish that, and that one thing is murder. Yeah, I like that. I think a lot of assassins probably fall into that category, too. Um, yep. there's something... and I mean, a Terminator is just a robot assassin, so yeah, it fits. Exactly. And you could very much play up the super lawful, honorable assassin thing, make them lawful evil, but the kind of the default is probably that neutral evil approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're making them lawful evil, let's be honest, they're probably going to be a little more sympathetic because at least they they're understandable. You know, they're not just these this pitiless killer that, you know, yeah, just I like to murder things. Mm-hmm. So I found a way to make money at it, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and this does, you know, this this lack of empathy. Can make these characters really nasty. Yeah, they're often pretty chilling. Um, The thing here is, and I I think this is probably as good a point as any to, like, throw our obligatory safety warning in. You do not have to turn all the nastiness up to 11. Somebody can still qualify as being neutral evil without you having to, like, describe gruesome graphic stuff that they do to screaming victims. I mean, I'm calling out Fire Force. I'm calling out Fire Force right now. Okay, please do. Fire Force did this in such a big, bad way, and I'm still mad about it because what a great game setting that I can no longer use because they literally just turned one of their whole episodes into an unnecessary torture fest. You do not need to do a whole visual, but it's so well animated torture fest to demonstrate that someone is neutral evil. You don't need to do that. I'm calling out Fire Force right now. Yeah. Okay. I'm still mad I'll, about I'll, it. I'll give you an example of one time where I used neutral evil and it was turned down and you guys still got the uh, the impression. Dolgan Wallstone, we, we talked about his brother Coram yeah. Wallstone in the last uh, episode. Dolgan Wallstone was neutral evil. He was mm-hmm. the owner of a weapon shop in the first town that the PCs visited in the um, motorcycle game. He was very selfish and greedy. He had some bigoted worldviews. And that was it. Yeah. Like mm. he didn't have, you know, somebody that he was ritually sacrificing in the back room or something. He was just a greedy, selfish jerk. And mm. he was very prejudiced against people who weren't dwarves. You know who I just realized is 100% neutral evil uh, mm. before his face turn? Hmm. Eustace Clarence Scrub. Whom? Eustace from Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Oh, it's it's been a long time. Yes, you're right. Because, (laughs) and and this actually points to another aspect of neutral evil that I think is not played up enough in games. Pettiness. Yes. Just sheer selfish pettiness. We hear, you know, like, to to use a modern version, Karen's. Okay. Yeah. That that uh, I want to speak to the manager. Yeah, that mm-hmm. you know, this has mildly inconvenienced me, and therefore it is a problem. Yeah. Right, and, disproportionate and response. Yeah, it's the lady that I watched as I was trying to get my my phone serviced, who brought her bill to 
the sales desk, not the customer service desk, the sales desk at the t- at the cell phone kiosk started screaming and ended her tirade with, I know it's not your fault, but I need someone to yell at. Yeah. Wow. And and again, we've been reading Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and we have not hit the point where Eustace has his really wonderful face turn. And so I, this stuff is very fresh in my mind. He, Do you remember – and I know it's been a while for both of you, but I, I'm going to assume that a good chunk of our listenership has read the Chronicles of Narnia. It seems like a safe bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he it, it starts off, you know, there was once a boy named Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. Um, and it's absolutely <laughs> true. Like, we get all of this indication that Eustace is awful. You know, he he just shows up to mock the uh, Edmund and Lucy. Uh, when he is, goes th- is he the origin of the term scrub in this in the modern context of uh, no I, I don't, don't want no scrubs I, I wish that he was I, I agree it'd be wonderful but I doubt he is I doubt it's it. probably come but from like scrubbing cool out stuff like that yeah yeah but like he does things like as soon as he is made to feel better. He's like, oh, you know, we're in a terrible storm. It's like, I'm so seasick. You know, Lucy gives him a little drop of the cordial that makes him feel better. I demand to, you know, be let off at the next station. I'm going to soothe a lot of you, you know, like this sort of thing. And then, you know, he's wandering around deck, grabs Reepicheep's tail and starts swinging him around. And then when Reepicheep, you know, stabs him with the sword and says, you know, ready to duel, you know, he runs off. He's like, eh, you know, you've got to, you know, I demand this creature be controlled. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's, he's that mm-hmm. very, petty thing and one of the things that i am just catching on this read through and bear in mind i read dawn treader cover to cover a hundred times as a child and i am not exaggerating it's a good book eustace is portrayed as kind of dumb he knows lots of things from books but has no concept of what they actually mean or what they imply like he's just been reading fact books it's like you know how do you lodge it you know i'm going to lodge a disposition a deposition against you well what is that a fancy not knowing that yeah. to cover for his own ignorance. He's just, he's parroting words. Uh, there's a thing mm. C.S. Lewis talks about in some of his more serious theological works where he's talking about the banality of evil. And we see yeah. it even in Paralandra where um, the evil uh, Satan basically is keeping Dr. Ransom I think I think it's Doctor keeping Ransom awake at night just by saying his name over and over and over. Just Ransom. Ransom. I wouldn't Ransom. put that in neutral evil. Well, because what does who gains? That to me is is chaotic in the extreme. Well, Yes, but but what I'm talking about here is the the banality of it. Just you, um, Mm. there's a very clear thing that's very explicit in Paralandra, where intelligence is a tool for evil to turn on and off, but is not necessary for evil. Yeah, and that idea of just being petty and small and selfish, and just not thinking, much less thinking of others, but not thinking at all. I think is a wonderful approach to neutral evil because it's so frustrating. It's so well, unreasoning. you get that in like real world accounts of like Nazi war criminals too. Yeah, 
Mm. Like, I think that the actual term, the banality of evil, might have been coined about Adolf Eichmann. Yeah. It's certainly there's like a book about him, you know, yeah. that is just yeah, like, it's, um, this guy was unremarkable in every way. And he was just one of the architects of the Holocaust and, you know, did all this monstrous stuff. And he's just this, yeah, like this petty little weasel of a dude. It, it's a, t- it's the title of a book by political theorist, Hannah Arendt, who's a Jew who fled Germany, uh, reporting on Eichmann's trial. And the title is Eichmann in Jerusalem, a report on the banality of evil. Ah, okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like a lot of the time these characters, <laughs> to, to bring this back around to gaming, these characters don't have to have a lot of depth to them. Like Petty Jerk is a fantastic starting point for a neutral evil character. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is cool, though, if you do make them deep and stuff. And here's where I'm going to get deep into The Witcher. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Here um, we go. <laughs> because Books, I... games, or TV show, by the way. I'm going by TV show because okay. uh, I left my book at work. Um, so, okay, fair, fair. Uh, so, and, and I'm not allowed back, so so I'm I'm stuck with what I've I've watched. But the way that the I'm gonna talk about the Brotherhood of Sorcerers. So the Brotherhood of Sorcerers, as an organization, I would absolutely peg as lawful evil. I cannot think of a single member of the Brotherhood of Sorcerers that I could not at some point or another in the show peg as neutral evil because they are all in it to some degree or another. They are all just into magic for the power and do not care whom they hurt. Hmm. Yeah. I had a different interpretation. They seem like they're aggressively maintaining a safe status quo and that's I where, think that verges them more the more into lawful neutral. That is the organization, which I'm I'm also going to put solidly in in the evil thing because oh my goodness, the the power, um, and the maintenance of that power that requires so many evil acts. Yeah, um, fair. The the individuals, the individual characters who are part of this lawful organization, whether we call it evil or not i think i i consider them all neutral evil at hmm. at at some point or another they are i'm thinking specifically of uh to say a debris oh yeah she is definitely <laughs> she's yeah, some yeah. kind of evil she might be more lawful than a lot of them but i think she still is in she that space. Act, she is trying to put on the lawful face. That That's part of what I love about her character arc. She is putting on the lawful face in order to maintain control over her students. I'll buy but, that, I guess. But in her, in her conversations with Yennefer, I think reveals herself more as power-hungry, or at least formerly power-hungry, because she talks about very frequently how she sees a lot of herself in Yennefer. Yennefer, I am absolutely through the show. Like Yennefer's neutral evil for sure. Yeah. Like the the one wow. example that I can think of of those characters in the games that I would actually I would not put in evil is especially in the third game, I would say Triss is a solid example of chaotic good. You know what? You're right because I totally forgot about Triss. <laughs> 
Tris is and Tris that feels is awful because awesome. I genuinely she's, <laughs> like, she is awesome and I feel bad that I forgot about her yeah. and I literally just went through a whole arc in I mean, The Witcher even, 2 okay, where so I had to find even, her even I feel the, bad oh if you think You're she's right. great in 2 wait until you get to 3 oh boy does she oh, do know, some awesome stuff in 3 2 is what I've played most Okay, um, 3 but, I have not played in a long time yeah, uh, but I need yeah. to finish my game too but it's but she's great. Like, yeah, yeah. Tr- Tris is fine. Tris is pretty much. She fine. is. She um, is probably my favorite character in the entire series at this point. Yeah, she it, is a good foil for the rest of the sorcerers and witches. Yeah, hmm. and I, I think even in the show, she is portrayed as being much more good leaning than anybody else. Oh, definitely, else. for sure. Like, she's you know she's got some real like, kindness and power. empathy for her. You know, yeah, she's not in it stuff. for the power. She's she's in it to help, and that's. Yeah. That's it's one of those things where it's thing. like, how did you slip through the screening process of this exactly. organization? <laughs> or rather, like, what happened did, to change but... <laughs> or what happened to change you after? Yeah, yeah, that too. Um because that's another thing about neutral evil. I think it's one of the more and we have this somewhere in the notes. I'm not the one who wrote this down, but I think it's also one of the more changeable of the evil alignments. Yes. Yeah. So should we get into some archetypes with this? Because I think that's a good segue. Yeah, for, we can. For that. Um, there, okay, so first of all, let's, you know, let's um, kind of call back to the lawful evil for a second. Remember we had like specific villain archetypes that we talked about? I kind of... I kind of thought about it in those terms as I was preparing for this. So there's, there's a couple that um, I'm going to... I want to start with one... Um, because we're kind of going there anyways, the warped idealist. And I, I think this would probably cover like your Tesseas, right? The, this person mm. um, is very set in a particular ideology or has some particular like goal that they seem, you know, see as noble and worthy. And they're willing to sacrifice basically anything in pursuit of that. So mm-hmm. this will cover like your Tesea. This will cover like your Ozymandias from Watchmen. Um this can cover a lot of like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble with some of our listeners. This covers most of the soldiers in Call of Duty games, honestly, like that ruthless mm. black ops kind of character. Yeah. A lot of the time, those guys act in basically a neutral evil fashion. <laughs> like they might be working for ostensibly good organizations or rulers or nations, but a lot of the stuff they do is real bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. um. Uh, certainly, uh, since I haven't really played too many of the Call of Duty games, certainly I would call the officer in, uh, Spec Ops The Line this, absolutely. Um, and then, uh, you can, you can also get these, kind of a variant on this where it might not be some, like, ideal or goal, but they're hyper-obsessed with some specific thing. Uh, Gollum is the obvious pull mm. here where he's just so obsessed with this ring and everything is about the ring and must have the precious. And it's just, it consumes him and it and makes him evil. Yeah, yeah nothing else matters. Yeah, a really good take on that. Uh, and that's kind yeah. of maybe what I was getting at with, like, the Queen Barrel example, too. Um, everything yeah. for this one goal. Uh, but yeah. not in a lawful way. Like, I'm willing to bend whatever rules. I'm willing to hurt whoever to get this done. Yeah. Um, there are yeah. no standards. Yeah, like, there's no code. Yeah, it's fil- a lot of thing. what Queen Beryl does is I'm going to throw you at the problem and see what you do with it. Yes. Um, and, you know, if you fail me, I will discard you and find someone else. 
Yeah, I will and freeze actually, you in ice and throw yeah. you into a pit. Yeah. You have outlived your usefulness is a very neutral evil thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's also chaotic evil, but very neutral evil. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know what? It's evil. Because it's, it's you can be you sure. can put that throughout all of I mean, of, yeah, that's a Doctor Doom the, thing, too, to be sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, there, it's, it's a philosophical evil in a lot of ways, this neutral yeah. evil alignment. You know, you're, you're devoted to the, a philosophy that is evil. And I think this is probably one of the ones with the most depth to it. Are we agreed? It can. Like, I'd say variance. Yeah. Like, I mean, the most potential depth is probably a better way of putting uh, it. I think like, lawful evil can be deeper because, because... No, no, no. I mean out of the neutral evil examples. Out of the the, oh, the, oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, neutral yeah. evil examples, this is probably one of the deepest ones, potentially. I guess. Because, yes. yes. I mean, the, the examples I came up with just in the notes were Moradin from the Wheel of Time series. Okay. Um, you know, and... Nicobrick from Prince Caspian, who was a dwarf who just had given up hope. Right? Both and yeah. it's interesting. Both of them were people who had given up hope. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have any hope for things to get better, well, yeah. Yeah, that can make you pretty actually that kind of leads into another archetype without really meaning to, I guess. But like these bitter or brutal, just like utterly cynical characters that are kind of like edgelordian have decided that the whole world is awful and the only way to survive is to be worse that's another common one i mean yeah um it often grows out of some kind of trauma you know is people who don't just kind of lose their hope for nothing most of the time you know something bad happens to them and instead of it making them more empathetic or even just more like closed in on themselves it makes them nasty and cruel so yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's one of a, a host of responses to trauma, but this can definitely be like a, a trauma informed kind of evil. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one that we were talking about kind of at the beginning of the episode of like cultists and stuff is just the horrible monster. Um, these are much more common in high fantasy, obviously. Uh, we, we already talked about like um, Sauron, um, but they're this is someone who is evil for evil's sake and sometimes will even freely admit it. This is somebody who is just sadistic and cruel and just loves sowing horror and terror and doom everywhere and probably isn't real nuanced. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not super realistic. It's kind of a cartoony form of evil. This is the tie somebody to the railroad tracks thing. Yeah, this, this bleeds very heavily to chaotic evil, but you're right. It like does. And I, I think um, <clears throat> the one place where you can you can kind of make this a little more interesting is if it's somewhat involuntary, like um, a curse or other supernatural influence has made this character this way. Like there's better natures like clawing and trying to get out. And every once in a while, maybe they can force like some little... Um, moment of that you you see a moment like this towards the end of the mistborn series and i'm not gonna say who or what but there's a a character that's under like the influence of the supernatural evil that just saves up and saves up and saves up and just waits for their moment and one point when it counts they do one tiny little act that subverts the the evil that's kind of controlling them and changes the whole story um so you can you can have that there the other thing that I would suggest with these personally, and this is, I will admit, kind of an aesthetic preference, but I think that the slasher movie loop where um, they're just like there to over punish people for minor bad deeds is kind of more of a lawful evil thing. 
And if you're going for neutral evil, they're going to be more like they find goodness itself to be offensive and they will focus their wickedness and cruelty on innocence and benevolence for daring to light the world. Um, they will burn down an orphanage, not because they have some sort of goal, but because they're offended by the idea that you would help orphans. Does that make sense? I think that's that's chaotic evil for me. Mm. Eh, I, I think the idea here is that it's it's evil for evil's sake, and the only purpose is to cause suffering. It's not evil for evil's impulse sake, driven. Yes, the and, and but the where's the gain? That that's that's the thing for neutral evil for me. Yeah. If if it's if there is no gain then why do it? The evil for evil's sake thing, I think of as much more, as, as much as neutral evil can be that, I think the epitome of evil for the sake of evil is chaotic because it has little I'm, I'm going to disagree with you here, and I will tell you why. There is a gain. It's just an awful one. These people derive enjoyment from the suffering of others sadism is the game they are feeding like their desire to sow terror and pain and that is enough they care only about themselves and there's this whole world full of targets to torment yeah i mean yes there's the sadistic approach which is certainly i think neutral evil but you know when you're just talking about destroying it because they want to that for me that's chaotic right when it's just yeah. when it's just a eh, this offends me at the moment kind of thing you know, I yeah, think you're talking about you two can, different things. You can go either. You can go either. Well, way. I think you. It's, I think you've talked about both. Is the is the the thing? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't really want to dwell on that no, one no, too long. To be honest, so, uh, megalomaniacs are another one that you see a lot of the time. Yes, I think so, and that's sort of the pettiness amped up to eleven, thirteen. You know, <laughs> you know, it's all about me. I'm perfect. I'm amazing. You know, I, I want to acquire wealth. I'm entirely self-serving. I happen to have power and therefore have used it, right? That's your megalomaniac. Yep. You could have a very megalomaniacal, you know, uh, street bum or, you know, your petty informant or whatever. The only difference is capacity for inflicting harm and taking what they want. Yep. This was Dolgan, by the way. The, I mean, like, he was just totally out for himself. He didn't have all that much power. He just had a, a business. But this was Dolgan. You know, he was a greedy merchant. Um, but this can also be the vampire lord, you know? <laughs> like, um, you know, it was, oh, yes, it's all about me and my aggrandizement. I have these, you know, I do this lawful stuff where I have, like, these farms of peasants that are there just for me to feed on. But I also do this chaotic stuff where, you know, I go out and, you know, assume the form of a terrible monster and ransack the countryside periodically. And it's kind of like the lawful and the chaotic kind of average out. But yeah, you can, you can definitely have that for megalomaniacs. Um, bigots. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. definitely one where, you mm -hmm. know, just, it gets into that selfishness. You don't matter kind of approach. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, you are less than. Me. Yes. Yeah, and it may, I mean, the the thing is, like, those lines can be drawn in any number of locations, you know? It can be, like, anybody who's scaly is bad, including dragonborn and kobolds, because a lizard folk once did something bad to me. So now I hate, you know, all scaly people. Or it can be, like, anybody who isn't me or not where I'm from. Um, you know, just full-on xenophobia. 
you know, they'll, they'll draw lines, you know, gender, race, species, sexuality, natural origin, religion. It's, it's a grab bag, but some kind of prejudice like that, neutral evil. Uh, Bullies, (laughs) just your standard garden variety bully. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they can be, you know, and once again, you're going to see these bleed into the other. This this is the same thing. Okay. Because you're being bad to others to feel powerful to, and, but this is basically an, a, and a somewhat insincere version of that because it's not internalized exactly. It's I am insecure and must make you f- must pretend to myself and the world that you are less so that I can feel good about myself. Okay, so you've actually touched upon something with that comment that I want to get back to. More than the other even evil alignments, a lot of these characters are kind of the same person. Yeah. And I, again, I think that's that banality thing. There's not much to differentiate these people other than... No, there really isn't. It's all very similar. It's just awfulness, you know? <laughs> um, the, the the motivations are just like, I'm better and you're not. And that can come out in a number of different ways, but there's not a lot of daylight between these archetypes. Yeah, it's bland, selfish evil. Yep. Amoral mercenaries are another one that kind of got explicitly called out in the uh, second yeah. edition definition. Like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the guys that just have no loyalty beyond their paycheck, willing to do whatever yeah. gets them paid. Interestingly, this is probably one of the most dependable types of neutral evil, as long as you can keep paying them better than anybody else who wants to hire them out from under you. Yes. If they're of yeah. the once hired stays bought and still willing to do awful things, that's lawful evil. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot else to add to this, Jenny. Not especially. I think one nuance that we haven't touched on super a lot is the ability to sneak. I don't think chaotic evil characters are especially capable of sneak because they are less about the... I, I think of chaotic evil as something less well thought out. Okay. And just to be clear, we're not just talking about like the stealth skill here, right? We're no, talking about no. doing stuff like behind the scenes in a social context too. Exactly. Uh, I, I've, I've been thinking about The Witcher a lot lately. I'm sorry. But like the whole job of the sorcerers in The Witcher setting is to advise kings and queens behind the scenes. Okay. They are... That's that's what they're for. Um, they are are basically training people how to be very magical and very sneaky and very spy like. Um, I think we've we've talked about about mercenaries and assassins, but I think the spy can also very easily fall into this uh, alignment. And I think it I, I I think of it as separate from. The assassin, because I think the spy might be more likely to think that they are good. Well, sure. They, again, it's that idea of serving something else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, sort of selfishly, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I will be rewarded for doing this, is maybe kind of the essence of neutral evil. Or even, mm-hmm. like, you know, to get back to kind of the warped idealist thing, like, whatever the goal is, is worth it. Yeah. You know? So, no, that's it's a really good point. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like certainly chaotic evil characters can can be stealthy and stuff, but like the idea of being like really kind of sneaky and duplicitous and stuff. That's what I'm looking for. Sly, yeah, that is a good word. Yeah, Um, yeah, that that just sly. Yeah, I I really like sly. That sly duplicitousness is very much neutral evil stock in trade. It really is. Mm -hmm. Cool and lawful evil as well, but I think. Yeah, once lawful again, adjacent well, that's, alignments that's for, bleed. Well, like, long-term yeah. plans, whereas for neutral evil, it's just, yeah. like, lying is just a natural thing, and there is no truth, and, well, you know, it's your fault for believing me, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that level of slyness, where it's just you are naturally duplicitous because you're so used to lying, you just forgot how to tell the truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just don't want to get caught, and... Yeah, you don't even know what you're trying to avoid getting caught for, or by whom, or yeah, just, what it's, anymore. It's, like it's just instinctive, you just do it. defensive line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we've all known people like that who just like you can never get a straight out of, answer out of them because they're always trying to cover for themselves because they're not quite sure what they did wrong, but it, you know, or why you're talking to them. But every conversation is a battle. Yes. Right. Those people are like, you have uh-huh. to win. It's like, you have to win the conversation. You can't, you know, you always have to come out you ahead. You can't just have the conversation. Yeah. yeah. So. What you got there for lunch, Bob? Why are you asking me that? Yeah. Because it smelled good. Yeah. A lot, you know? a, lot, a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't have much else to add. No. Yeah, I think I'm done. Cool. Like we said, this is kind of a, a banal alignment. It so. is. Not not boring in the sense that like true neutral was a little boring and not quite there but definitely yeah. just we're talking about something that's archetypally evil and unpleasant but very samey throughout yeah yeah so we like there are hmm. definitely characters that fall into these that are more and less interestingly oh, depicted you know like oh yeah for sure um a lot of the ones in The Witcher are very well written and stuff, and they're, you mm-hmm. know, they're well acted and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, their motivations aren't all that interesting. We just want to maintain our power base and keep doing mm-hmm. this. And uh, Yeah. So. Well, I want to hear what everyone else thinks. And by everyone else, I mean you listeners listening to this, hopefully at home. Yeah. You know, or at work. If you're in a job where you can distance at work. Yeah. Definitely or chime in on essential this. and reach out on social I media. I hope you stay safe yep. in that case. <laughs> reach out to us on social media. And of course, if you want to join our discord, we have uh, plenty of good conversation happening all the time and tell us what you think about this. Plus, of course, we also have show notes, which you can reference uh, at our website, stgcast.org. Uh, you can find uh, links to our social media, our Discord, and plenty of other stuff, including all of our back episodes, the awesome blog posts Peter does every uh, Tuesday when we don't release an episode, all sorts of good stuff. So make sure you check that out. Uh, we're on social media, like I said, Facebook and Twitter, saving the game, easy to find. And I think that is about everything other than maybe a ask that while uh, everyone else is looking for things to do and things to listen to, if you don't mind taking a minute to rate and review us on iTunes and Podchaser and anywhere else you can, that helps us a lot. Every single review makes a big bump in our numbers. It really does. Yep. So please take a minute to do that. And from all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. I'll catch you next time. See you later, See folks.
This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.